podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? I have a delicious sandwich in front of me and I just had a white chocolate Twix, so pretty good. Jesus, you're having a fucking good day, aren't you? That's a hell of a day. Started all right. No, not so bad, not so bad. Right, uh, we are here today to present our top 10 lists, our top 10 lists, not your top 10s, our top 10 lists. For the best players born in 01, 02 and 03, Andy Wales sent us this idea. Uh, so thank you to him. But before we do that, Carl, uh, I had been happily recording podcasts this morning. I recorded the Daily Red. I've about half of Two Footed recorded. And I was completely oblivious to everything that was going on in the outside world. I was busy chuckling to myself about Arsenal agreeing to pay £100 million with £5 million add-ons for Declan Rice. And then Guy says, do you want to talk about the Zabozlai thing? And I said, what's Zabozlai thing? Assuming, you know, Indy Kayla or somebody had said, oh, Liverpool are in for Dominic Zabozlai. Instead, David Ornstein has tweeted, Liverpool exploring move for Dominic Zabozlai of RB Leipzig. LFC met his camp this week. Latest attacking mid to be considered. Unclear if it develops due to price, but is desired profile unrelated to potential Carvalho deal. Now, I know you are more in favour of that right-sided midfield spot being someone more box-to-box with more ball-winning capabilities, but Carl, this guy is really, really special. A very, very good player, a very, very fun player. And there's no way that I would say, no, I don't want him in the squad. But you're right, I would have huge reservations about having a regular midfield pairing in this system of Alexis and Dominic Solzlai. Um There's all the upside to happen him, don't get me wrong. There's, there's so many reasons to actually bring him in, regardless of anything else. And, you know where I think as we played it towards the end of last season, he might be most devastating and not cause havoc for the team would be probably that left-hand side, which we know we expect Diaz to come back and play much, much better, but he obviously was in and out with fitness and the rest of it coming back last season. I think from there, he would have had a a huge impact, let's say Um, from the right-hand side as well, different way of playing it to, to Salah, but someone who was that good, that technically capable has really good work rate, scores goals, set pieces, which is another thing we probably mm-hmm. need to add an additional player for. Um, all of these things are immense, immense traits of his. But you're absolutely right. In the biggest of games, if that's our midfield alignment, I am going to be concerned for now. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's fair. 
I, I would I would maybe look at you know, look at the way City went about their business last season where they played KDB and Gundogan and could Zabozlai and Alexis be our version of them? You know, they have Grealish left wing, we would have Diaz. They often had Riyad Mahrez left a right wing, we would have Mo. And then obviously they had Haaland, we'd have Darwin or Gakbo through the middle. I mean, that does match up fairly well. Yes. But the issue is what's behind them. Yes. Because they had Rodri and yeah. they had John Stones. We would have Trent, who's like, Trent is not a bad defender and that myth needs to die. But we don't have Rodri. So that to me would be the biggest issue because if you tell me, you know, they had Walker and Diaz and Aki and Liverpool would have, let's just say, Kanate, Virgil and Mickey van de Ven. I'm taking our three over their three. I'm taking Trent over Stones. The issue is, and I'm taking Allison every single day over Ederson, as everybody would sense would. The issue is we don't have a Rodri and there's probably only one I'd say one midfielder on the market this summer with Rodri level potential, and that's Moises Caicedo. And if we were to sign Zabozlai, we couldn't afford to buy Caicedo. So that would be the, the one area that would really concern me is that holding midfielder. Everything else, now, as I said before, I, I would prefer us not to be a city clone, but if we're going to do it, that's a pretty good way to do it. It's just the Rodri role would be a concern because. Fab is is pretty washed. Well, yes, and the also other thing that City have over us, which obviously has had a weird little twist in terms of linking him with us, is the opportunity to swatch, switch that for Kyle Walker and have real pace at a genuine right-back rather than um, nobody at all uh, to, to change up that Trent role. So there are tactical switches that they make for certain matches which we still are not able to do, and those are the matches that I'm concerned about. It's not... Is not matching up Mares or Silva against Salah or you know the the two central midfielders with Alexis and um so it was like if we were to sign him, even though they've you know not going to get any worse, let's put it that way by bringing in Kovacic, uh, that's that's an absolute certainty. It's not those games where you're going to play that team against you know Nottingham Forest or. Uh, even an Aston Villa or some a team that you're basically going to dominate against and you should be better than and you should win the match. It's the big ones. It's the ones which matter most. Or it's the late in-game switches where, you know, you need to be a bit more or a bit less cavalier, a bit more um, certain about your structure or the biggest of matches against your direct rivals where those ones are going to determine what you do for the season. We're not at that level, not with those players that we have there. Here's my way of looking at this, Carl. We're not winning the league next season. And I think it's unrealistic to think that we will, regardless of what we really do, because we're we're, Agreed. we're way off the pace. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But, but is is that midfield, let's say that midfield in its set, right? So let's say we drop back into a 4-3-3 off the ball, as we have been. And you've got, you know, Trent, Ibu, Virgil and Van de Veen or Inacio or whoever switches from centre-back to left-back. And then it's, let's say it's Zabozlai, 
Lavia or Kone and Alexis. Is that midfield worse off the ball than Odegaard, Rice, Havertz? <laughs> I think it's significantly better off the ball than that midfield. I think it's not fair for you to ask me to judge against Arsenal because you know exactly what I think of that midfield and exactly what I think Arsenal are. But th- my point, Carl, is they're the next team. Like, forgetting City for a second, putting them to one side, if we look at the rest of the league, who else are we really going to worry about? Like, who else is there? That Casemiro could- Fernandez and who they ha- and who they sign. That's Casemiro the- Fernandez and what? Ma- Mason Mount? Mm. Like, I would laugh at that midfield, personally. Like they- Possibly. But they're, not, they're also not as cavalier. They're also not as high upfield as us. They're also much more inclined to sit in a low block, whereas we're, you're talking about this in transition play, how we very, very quickly have to get back into position. If you tell me that Manukone is there at the base of that, suddenly I'm okay with it. Suddenly I am okay with Soboslai being the regular right-sided three. What I'm about Florentino Luis? From Benfica, who's a yeah, less ball winner. Yes, but I have less familiarity with him. That's the, yeah. only, that's the only reason I can but, say. But that kind of profile, that dynamic, covers every blade type of ball winner. Like, yeah, if it's the balls, like it does make more sense with with him with Kone. Unfortunately, Manuel Ugarte went to PSG. He would have been he would have been just perfect in that role. But if we could do that, if we could reshape it that way. Now, the one thing is, we're quite far down the road with Kefren Turam. I'm really hoping they're not looking at him as the number six, because that would be an awful waste of what he is as a player. Now, he can cover the ground and he's a decent ball winner, but he's not like that's not his role. That would worry me if the midfield is the Bosley, Turam and Alexis, that would concern me. That's a bit Rice or Odegaardy. Yes, yes, exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, Turam, Turam as a ball carrier as one of the eights or the option to play that defensive right side of eight, exceptional. I think that would be a great addition. But Kone is the one you want as the protector, the deepest, mm. the sitter, the scurrier, the ratter, whatever you want to call it in all the terms that Liverpool players and coaches have called it over the last few years. That's who you want. I do wonder if maybe we're signing four midfielders. Because I have a feeling someone's leaving. I if think it's Durham, Alexis, Kone, and Sowaslai, you can put us back in the conversation for the title. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think we might sign four because I think Thiago might go. I think he's the logical next one for Saudi Arabia to come in for, given the profile of players that they're looking for, and I think we'd be open to that. I think we'd be open to selling him. Whether he'd be open to the move or not, I don't know. But he's incredible. He just doesn't play often enough. And what's the point in us having him for another year where he might start 18 league games? You're paying him 200 grand a week and then he's going to leave for free next summer. Like the logical thing for us as a football club to do would be to say to him, look, we've loved having you. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked out as well as we hoped, but you were incredible in that 21-22 season. We thank you for the FA Cup and League Cup that you contributed to, but it's time for a a break here. We're looking to move you on and get younger. 
And that then opens up another non-homegrown spot to bring in, you know, because we've got two spots left. That could be Zabaz Lyon Turam. Trent or Thiago leaving would open up A, the money, and B, the spot to bring in Emmanuel Kone. And then you just, I don't know, don't register Adrian and buy your left side centre back or buy someone who's, you know, Castello Lukeba, who's 20, someone like that. Like to me, that's what makes the most sense for us because in this new shape, I don't really see where Thiago fits all that well anyway. So I don't want to see Thiago and Trent as a double pivot. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I think Tiago's only spot is where Alexis is going to go left side. Yeah. Or, well, I assume that Alexis is going to go. You know, this is Klopp. He could rock up as a false nine. Who knows? <laughs> it wouldn't be a surprise. It wouldn't be a surprise. Look, as I, as I said before, we might we might be playing an even different a different shape again next season. It could be something else. It could be a diamond in midfield. It could be a four four two. It could be anything at all. I would just have a very tough time turning down that level of talent in Zabozlai. I think you get him if you can and you figure it out afterwards because he's just... What's, that your, what's your price ceiling for him then? Um, yeah, Ornstein, for, for clarity of those who were listening to the tweets at the start, um, said that I think he had a release clause of 70, but it's disputed when that comes into action and they think it'll be a very expensive deal to get done. So where's your where's your level you'd go to? I mean, he's 22. He's got unbelievable ability, scores and creates goals. He's versatile. He's a unit as well. And other than that one ankle injury, he hasn't had any real problems. Or it wasn't ankle. Was it an abductor or something that he had when he was leaving uh, Salzburg to go to Leipzig? I'd pay the 70. If it's 70 million pounds, I'd pay it. I would. I think he's... If it's 70 million euro, I think that's a good price. I think that's, what, 61 million? So 40 million less than Declan Rice? I think he's one that they would like to try and get in that usual Jota bracket, the 45 sort of region. See, I'd happily have let them have Carvalho on a permanent deal if, if it would bring the price down. So I just don't see a, a spot for Carvalho at Liverpool. Zabozlai is just, he is a different level of player. I think he is, like if you're looking around Europe at like who is the next KDB, it, it's him, like it just is him. Build, playing style, ability on the ball, it's him. He's that guy. I think he, he can be 
that player, the guy that becomes the best player in the league. I'd, I'd happily pay up to £80 million for him this summer. If we can get him cheaper, if we can get him in even 50 with a bunch of add-ons or whatever, I would happily do it. I think it becomes a lot more of an expensive deal if it means you don't get the defensive protector that we need, that we badly, badly need. I, I do agree. I do agree. But like, if we're being realistic, you and I both know, first game of the season, Fabinho <laughs> is starting. And most likely Henderson is starting. So if if he's if it given its clock, he's gonna do things slowly, he's not gonna want to change as much as needs to be changed in one season. Uh, if you Here's can a get... question for you, right? Given we play Chelsea first, mm. how many times during preseason do you think we see Trent start in an actual right midfield role, right sided of the three? Hmm. With Joe Gomez maybe at right back kind of idea, is that what you're saying? Along those lines, yeah, or whether it's one of the kids or whatever, but more to see what more to see like. yeah, Trent there rather than the other the, the right back alternatives as such. Twice. I think we have to see it at least once, don't we? Yeah, I think we see it probably twice. Yeah. And I don't think Trent will play a whole lot in preseason. Like I don't think he'll play every game. So if he plays four four games, maybe five, I think two of them will come right side of the midfield three. One with Connor Bradley at right back and maybe one with, so you get the attacking vision of it and one with Joe Gomez. So you see what it looks like defensively with a, a you know, a, a more defensive right back. Hmm. I I wonder if, if what we might skip on in this window is, is the defender. Is the Robertson and and because there's there's been no movement on like Costas needs to leave. He needs to leave for the sake of his own career. He needs to leave so we free up a non homegrown homegrown spot. Yeah. There's been no movement on it at all. So I wonder if we're going to pass on changing that that position and we just go into next season with Robertson and because if 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 Klopp is losing. Henderson and Fabinho from his starting eleven, and he's lost Milner, and he's lost Bobby. Like he'll still want some of his safety blankets there, and Rob will be a safety blanket. So I think we'll go into next season actually with Rob starting, Costas as the backup, and maybe then in the January or next summer we address that role. Yeah, especially if the one we want or have decided on, or we're still waiting to see who we should decide on because it's a very yeah. important deal. Because it does seem like Inacio's probably the one we really want because he's the he's the most malleable between left-back in a four and centre-back in a three. And he's the best passer of the ball that we've been linked with in that kind of role. And I wonder if there's maybe a kind of nudge-nudge, wink-wink deal with sporting where, look, you keep him for a year, we'll pay more than you're asking or we'll pay more than the buyout. You sign a new deal there for a buyout that goes up a bit. We'll wait for you. You wait for us and we'll get you next summer. Maybe he's the quote-unquote right player for us. And we wait a year to get him. It'll be frustrating because you'd rather have it done this year. But like, it's not like Robbo's dreadful. He's still a good player. He just doesn't really fit that role very well. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm I'm all in on signings of Osley because I, I've loved that kid since he was at 
uh, Leffering, which is five years ago nearly, over five years ago. It's 2023. This was 17, 18, he was there. So I'm all in on getting him. Final uh, question for pre-season and into next season on Liverpool transfers. I uh, don't know if you also would have seen this. Reese Williams has gone. He's uh, he's headed on loan to Aberdeen for the season. I'd like your anticipated number of league starts he makes for them across the whole of the campaign. Oh, for Aberdeen, I think he starts fairly regularly. Um, I, I would have preferred us to either keep him as a homegrown player or sell him because I don't know what a loan does for anybody other than we've just done a deal with Aberdeen for Leighton Clarkson. He did well there on loan and we sold him to them at a at a decent price. I think a price that was fair for both clubs. What was I it think, in the end? I think a million and a half. Right. I think Reese probably would bring a little bit of a higher fee, but I think he can likewise go there and, and do fairly well. And the one thing about Aberdeen in recent years is they have done a decent job at developing centre-backs. Um, overall number of starts, league, I'd say maybe 30 and probably another 10 across Cups in Europe. I think he does well. I think he does well there. I think the Scottish League will suit him. Well, hopefully that's the case. I'm, I'm going to go considerably lower, although I do suspect he'll start the season in the team, hopefully. So you remember as well, most teams in that league are League One calibre. Other than Celtic and Rangers, it's a it's League One, basically. Reese is good enough for League One. He's got, he's, he struggles a little bit in the championship level because it's a little bit too aggressive for him, I think. Whereas the Scottish League is a little bit slower. The pitches are a little bit boggier. And I think he'll be all right. I think he'll do quite well up there. Um, right, let's move on then. Let's get into our lists. So let's start with 01. Do you want to do, I, you know, I'll give my number one, you give your number one, and we'll go down through the 10 that way. Or do you want to just list the full 10? Uh, go one and one, I suppose. We're going to overlap anyway at some point. Right. We'll, we'll probably have the same players for a lot of them, but we'll see about the order. So my number one 2001 born player is Kvice Kvaratskhelia. <laughs> uh, he's not my number one. He's definitely on the list. Uh, I suppose we should note these are 22-year-old players. 22? Yes. Yeah, 22. Uh, my number one is Bukayo Saka. That's fair. That's fair. He's my number two. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I went back and forth with them because I think they're both outrageously good. Yeah. And they're so, so young. It's actually obscene. Um, I might have given Kavicha the advantage because I've spent quite a lot of time perfecting saying the name Kvaratskhelia. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which you know for me. That's actually, that's good, yeah, that's a pretty good commitment for you. Yeah, so, so I've got I've got Saka um number two on my list. I, I think he's I think he's a wonderful player. You know I love him. He's the one English player. I would happily see us break all manner of price records to get because he can play anywhere. Yeah. Like he can be great. And you want to, you want a world class left back, plug him in, develop him. He'll be world class wing back, center midfield, left wing, right wing, whatever you need him to be. That kid could be great there. He's, he's just that guy. 100% agree. I think he's one of the most likely candidates let's say six, seven years down the line, unless obviously we get some unbelievable talent develop in that period. I think he's probably Ballon d'Or podium candidate along that period of time, six, seven years. From uh, yeah, I think so. 
I think so. I think Arsenal have a really special player there. Right, who's so he's my number two. Who's your number two? Um, so I've I've tried quite hard to avoid attacking bias on this, and so I've gone for how good I think they are relative to others around them, obviously, in that mm. position and role. So I've gone for Enzo Fernandez, number two. He's my number three. Okay, so, well, Karatskeli is my number three. So there we go, top oh, three. All the so we have the same top three, just in a slightly different order. Yeah. Um, I think Enzo's brilliant. I know the price was prohibitive, but I mean, when, when, when Arsenal are spending 100 million on Rice, I think Enzo's younger, better, far, far higher ceiling. I don't think you can really, you can really, you don't think you can knock Chelsea too much on that deal. No, um, especially the length of time they've tied him to. <laughs> like 14 year contracts and stuff. <laughs> he He's going to be great for them. He is. He was great for them in the back half of the season. He was just surrounded by players that didn't know what they were doing. Right. Who's your number four? I've gone for Rodrigo Gosh, Real Madrid forward. Okay. He's actually my number five. Um, I'm actually expecting big things from him this coming season. I think he had a good season of stepping up this past year. And I think actually with Benzema gone and him given a little bit more responsibility, I think he'll step up again. I think he's a very, very good player. I, I think, I actually think he's kind of, he's been miscast a little bit as a wide forward. I really liked when he played kind of just off Benzema as like a nine and a half type yeah. and, and used his speed and movement and intelligence to get in behind. I think Benzema loved that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's I think he's really good. He's my number five. Um, my number four is Moises Caicedo. I went the same way you did with, with Enzo. I, I kind of looked at, let's not have too much attacking bias. Let's compare them in their roles. So what do they do in their roles? And as a defensive midfielder, I, I think he's as I think he's top five in the world already. He was in my team of the year for this past season. He's he's sensational. And I think if Chelsea pair him and Enzo, that's a midfield they're gonna have for a decade and I think they'll be awesome together. Yeah, they definitely complement each other very, very well. And what I love about Casado so much is you can play him as a six or you can play him much, much higher upfield. Mm. He still does just as well. There's a couple of games there towards the end of the last season where he played basically as the number ten for Ryzen. He yeah. was winning the ball back so high upfield and just the insistence of his passing and the weight of his passing and the timing and his ability to pick the right ball. So, so good. And then they played him right back (laughs) and he looked like he'd been there for years. Like he he played right back against Arsenal and put, was it Martinelli? Or was it Trossard? Was it Martinelli? One of them, put one of them in his pocket. Yeah, I think Trossard started, didn't he? And then Martinelli came later on. And he just, just monstered them. He is, and the thing that, the thing I love about him is you watch him run like a normal play and he seems to move quite slowly and then he just needs to pick the speed up. And we saw him at Anfield chase down and then just physically monster Mo Salah, who never gets monstered. Caicedo just ran up, took the ball off him like he was some small child and turned and went in the other direction like it was nothing. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I've got I've got Enzo for Rodri- uh, Rodrigo five. Who have you got five? So number five, I've actually got Manu Kone, and Caicedo is my Ooh. number six. So I've gone for Kone on 
how to put it, longevity of where I think he's he's started to show. Because, I mean, Caicedo, in fairness, is still a relatively small sample size of playing um, this sort of level. Kone, I think now we're sort of looking at two and a half years of this guy is excellent. And I just I just love him as a ball winner, as a, as a recovery player, as a carrier even, not his, his absolute best trait, but I just think he's so, so good at what he does. Um, he immediately makes, I think, every single team in the Premier League better, including Man City. If they hadn't assigned uh, Kovacic, for example, and they wanted to bring in someone to release Rodri a little bit further forward or something like that, Kone improved them as a team. I, I just think he's an exceptional, exceptional player all around. Uh, so I've gone for him five and Caicedo six. I have Manu Kone ninth on mine, but he is in my top ten. Um, right, who's your number six then? Caicedo. Oh yeah, Caicedo's your number six. I went with a talent play here. Someone that hasn't consistently shown what he's capable of, but who has been on an upward trajectory. I, I just love his talent. I went for Michael Elise at number six. Hmm. I just, I adore him. I absolutely adore him. When I was running down the list of 2001, and I must say, out of the three groups that we're doing, I think 2001 has the biggest selection of possible top 10 players. Yes. Um, I saw Elise and I thought to myself, well, you're going to have him in. Does that yeah. mean, therefore, that just by way of comparison, I should put Curtis Jones in because he's also on this uh, year? Is. So I didn't put him in. I didn't in the end. But I, I think there's a good example of there are so many options you know, Curtis Jones not played enough games yet for us to say that he can be in there, but of a quality level of games that he's played in, of games that he's performed well in, there's others going to be on this list who probably haven't had as high caliber match. Yeah, I just think there's others who've had, you know, like they might not have had, like, say, the best game of Curtis, but I think they've had more sort of eight out of tens than Curtis, who's. To me, he's just had too many six out of tens thus far in his Liverpool career. He was on my long list. I got yeah. put down from twenty to ten. And, <laughs> I've got more than that. So, <laughs> and, oh well, yeah, but I'm I'm fussy though. You're you're more you're more nice than I am. Yeah, I'll take um, one. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, who's your number seven? So my number seven is Jacob Ramsey. Um, he's my number seven as well. Oh, well, there you go. Well, if we can discuss him together, then I think he's very good. There you mm. go. Over to you. I love him. Yeah, I love him. I, I, I love, I love how intelligent he is. He reminds me a little bit, like not this is not a comparison of the the playing style, but he reminds me a little bit with the way he times his runs of how Frank Lampard used to do it, just arriving in the box, always able to see a full picture in front of him and know where the space is going to be. I think he's got the potential to be getting 12 to 15 Premier League goals each season because he's a really good finisher. He's super intelligent. And like off the ball, he's he's pretty intense as well. Mm-hmm. Like he's a really good tracker. He presses really well. I think Villa have a gem there. Yeah, I think he's excellent. And if anybody's listening on the day we put this out, or in the next couple of days afterwards, uh, he's currently starring for England under-21s at the Championship. Mm. So feel free to tune in and watch him be probably the best player in the team pretty much so far. 
Right, number eight then. Uh, I've gone for someone we will probably be seeing in the Premier League next season, Nicholas Jackson, uh, Villarreal striker. Oh, that's a good shout. Make the case. Um, lots of things, to be perfectly honest. Very good finisher, obviously, is his, probably his, his primary trait. He's, he's very, very composed in tight situations. Uh, his first touch to get the space to actually have the shot, I think, is up there with better than most young forwards in, in Europe, to be perfectly honest. We are dealing with a relatively small sample size, and certainly in terms of probably this last season is the only one I've really paid attention to him properly, but... With young forwards, two things that I always paid most attention to, obviously outside of the ability to put the ball in the back of the net, one is the movement off the ball, uh, how they escape defenders and how they find space in and around the penalty spot. And the other one's the first touch. And we're going to talk about, or I'm going to talk about someone a bit later on today who I think is better than him at both of those things. But I don't think that there are too many others. So I've gone for him. Do you think, is he a nine? Or is he more of a young men's son type of goal-scoring inside forward? Because I've always looked at him more of the Sun type of player. So I like him more centrally, but I know what you mean. And actually, same team, different player. I think in time, he becomes more Harry Kane. I think he's that type of vision and that type of ability to play the ball on the turn. If you have good runners around him, I think he's someone who scores and creates. Interesting. I went with Gabriel Martinelli in that spot, number eight. Um... I, I just, I, he's a player that really, he, he he's not as talented as Saka, but I, I feel like in the final third, he's more effective because I think he's got, I think he knows what his strengths and weaknesses are. And I think he just simplifies his own game. I don't think you see him try and do things he's not capable of. Like he, his dribbling is pace based it's not like Saka where he's got you know body swerves shoulder fence different things like that he's not quick with moving the ball one foot to do that like Saka he's more about knock it and run but when he gets the ball 1v1 with a defender his ability to shift the ball to either foot and shoot really quickly with pace with direction is really impressive to me so I went with Martinelli as my number eight Yeah, definitely fair. I've got him in my top 10 at number nine, actually, so not uh, not too far off. So he's your number nine. I've my actually number got number nine. 10 11, as it turns out, so I can't count. There you go. <laughs> so, so that's okay, because I actually have 11 as well, because my number okay. 10 is name slash name, and I hadn't really figured out who I was picking yet. Fine. So my number nine is Manu Kone. So um, we have the same top nine, except I have Elise and you have Nicholas Jackson. Now, we have them in different orders, but we have eight of the same top nine. Mm -hmm. So who are your 10 and 11? Uh, So I've got my number nine to give you as well, I think. Your number nine is Martinelli, Mm -hmm. no? Uh, Well, I thought he was nine. He's actually number 10, yeah. Okay, okay. So my number nine is Jurian Timber. Oh, interesting. Um, He's not on my shortlist. Yeah, so play obviously we've spoken about lots. Centre back, right back. I think he's capable of both over the longer term. Very, very technical defender. Positionally pretty good, aggressive, very consistent for such a young defender as well. I think that's very important when you're looking at that kind of age group. Um, I like lots about him, to be perfectly honest. So yeah, he's in at nine. Martinelli ten and eleven is. 
along the same lines as one you mentioned, who's not maybe always hit the quite the heights, but the volume of football he's already played and the consistency level he has and the fact that he can get better, I think is really impressive. That's Takafusa Kubo. Oh, interesting. He's, I, I actually caught him quite early because he, he annoys me. He, <laughs> he's super talented. There's just, now this past season, I, I thought he took really good steps forward with Sociedad, which mm. seems like a really good club for players to go to like Odegaard went there when his career was really nosediving and it resurrected him. Isak went there when his career was nosediving and it resurrected him. And Kubu might well be the same where like this past season was definitely a good step in the right direction, but he's got insane talent. And I remember this kid at what, 14, 15 caused the big kerfuffle with the Barcelona illegal yeah. signing thing ended up going back to Japan and then signed for Real and then obviously didn't make the whatever grade they had he, he didn't quite live up to it um, no I, I, I love the talent and I, if, he, if he if he even becomes like 80% of the player he could be he'll be one of the best wingers in the world um, my 10-11 then is Kefren Turam and Manuel Ugart. Mm. And I, I couldn't separate them because I love both of their games. I would have loved us to sign both of them. They've got they've both got areas to to improve on. For Turam, he needs to be more aggressive, needs to be a little bit more diligent in his defensive work. For Ugart, it's more of his on the ball decision making that needs to improve. But they're both, I think, hugely talented. So of our 11s, then, we've got eight the same. You've got Kubu, Timber, and Jackson that I didn't have. And I've got Elise, Turam, and Ugart that you didn't have. But we have all the rest the same, just in different order. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, pretty well matched up. I think there's a, I think there is, in each of these years, a bit of a cut-off where you can say five, six seven of them in this particular year are absolutely definite and then quite a lot around the same sort of level. I mean, mm. just to give people an, an idea of who else is this kind of year, obviously you've mentioned Kevin Turam, Gonzalo Ramos is another one. Yeah. Curtis Jones, we mentioned Malik Tior, uh, Thiago Almada, Abdel Zazuli, Joshua yeah. Zerxi, who was rated as one of the top forwards only, what, two, three years ago as a teenager yeah. and has obviously not not had the best time since, but still the talent's there. Amabel Kotchap, Renat Nuri, 
Yari Bashir and there's just loads and loads for this year who who could still be very, very good because we are only talking about 22-year-old players. Yeah. William Saliba, Mikhailo Mudrik. There's, there's a ton of really talented players in that age group. Amadou Onana was quite close to my list as well, but the Everton stench just kind of knocked him down a couple of spots. Um, right, let's move on then to 2002. I think very it starts very strong <laughs> and then sort of drops off. So yeah. I'm guessing we'll have the same top three. It's just whether we have them in the same order. Yeah. So, so I've got... Oh, you go first. You go first. Oh, no, no, I was going to say it was similar to, to the last one where I think there was probably f- six for sure where they were definite. So I think there are mm. five definite top fives here, to be honest. Three are top threes, and then there's a gap, and then another couple, and then there is a big mix of who you prefer. Right, so you, you go first. Who's your number? Give me your number one and number two. Pedri. Yeah, he's my number one. Just Gugavadio. Okay, he's my number three. Okay. Um, I've got Kamavinga at number two. Who is my bronze medalist. Yeah, so I think those three are a significant miles. step above everybody else in this age group, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, miles ahead. Like, to be fair, the next couple on my list, I think, are like Champions League caliber winning players, but they're a distance off still. These these three are like elite, already elite. Yeah, already. Pedri and Camavinga, you, you could make arguments are among the very best midfielders in the world already. Like, you, I, I make strong arguments. Um, the hope with Pedri is that Barcelona just continue to manage him properly and don't don't do what happened a couple of years ago where he got massively overplayed. Mm. He is a special special player. Camavinga, like he came on leaps and bounds this past season, can play pretty much anywhere and be great. Like he's kind of the midfield version of Saka. You want him holding midfielder, he'll do that. Central midfielder, he'll do that. You could play him as a 10, as a ball-winning 10. He can play wide on mid- in midfield. He did that at, at Wren. can play left-back. If it wasn't for the fact that he's only, I think, 5'10", he could easily slot in at centre-back because he's got great reading of the game, great positional sense. He's aggressive. He's a, he's good, a good ball-winner. Yeah, I think those three are significantly ahead of everybody else. Now, it gets interesting. My number four and five, I think, will both be on your list. I just don't know if you'll have them this high. These mm. are pure picks based on talent, yep. not necessarily on what they've delivered thus far. So number four, I went with Anzu Fati. And number five, I went with someone that I will be stunned if he's not on your list because I know you're a huge fan. I went with Gio Reyna because from a talent <laughs> perspective, I'm not sure he's not the second most talented player in this age group after Pedri. So Gio Reyna, I've actually cut from my 10. And oh. that, is ba- that is based on the 18 months now, I think we have to say, of downturn. And injuries and whatever else. Yeah. Whereas Ansu Fati, I've kept, and he's also my number four. Okay. And so Fati, I think, is, you know, it was basically one long injury and one setback off that. And last season, I think, was much, much more of a you have to just get back to being regularly available kind of thing. If he has another half season, I'd, I'd have to be sort of similar with Reyna and cut him from this until he starts showing what he's got again. But Fatty 
could be up there with Pedri, to be perfectly honest, with how good he is. I think he's an utterly exceptional player. Well, that first season where they kind of exploded together, it was Fatty that people were pointing at and saying, like, he's the he's the golden child. And yeah. Pedri was like, oh, he'll be the next Iniesta, but Fatty could be not messy, but, you know, he could be our next star attacker. And somehow he's had this bizarre shift in how the public perceive him, but he's he's outrageously talented. So who's your number five then? Uh, Hincapie. Oh, okay. He is on my list, but I have him at 10. Okay. Um, I've got Nuno Mendes in at number five. <laughs> I think is just an outrageous left back. I think he's incredible. He is. I've... <laughs> I've got him as my 10-11 stroke because I just think there are still a few bits of his game and sometimes I think he is probably a victim of the club that he's at, basically, being so front-forward thinking, being so advanced, being so responsible for having an entire flank to attack and defend. I don't think the setup overly helps him. I think they exploit the speed that he has. Um Kind of, a, you know, for, for any older listeners, a bit like Real Madrid used to leave the left and the, the left belonged to Roberto Carlos and that was it. Nobody yeah. else will go there and you have to do everything. I think he's too young to be doing that at the minute, basically. So he's on there, but he's, if he was at a better, more functional, structured club, I'd probably rate him a lot higher. I think it's been difficult for him as a learning curve and the responsibility that he has. If they sold Neymar this summer, which I think they clearly want to do, I think him and Sancho as a left-sided pairing would get the best out of Sancho. As long as there's a really solid, as long as it's a 3-4-3 with a really solid left-side centre-back, I think that could be quite explosive. Um, Right, so who is your number six then? Right, so from here on downwards, I think any of these are either could be any order or could not be in the top 10 because I do think that there's a lot of mm. overlap with what people have done, with the quality level they've shown, with you know the ceiling you think of them. So we could differ quite a bit here, I think. Uh, I've gone for Nico Williams, and that is the athletic club, not the former Liverpool, to be clear. Yeah, he's my number He's my number nine. Okay. Um, like you, I have I have 11 kind of in this as well. Um, but he's my number nine. I, I I think he's ready for a move, and I think I think he's the type of player. If he comes to the Premier League, it probably takes him six months to settle, and then I think he would just torture left backs because because of how he plays and because he's unusual in that he's a right winger who's right footed, but still likes to come in field and then cut back. I think he could be a really explosive player in the right team. Like, he's obviously different to Mo, but he would be probably top of my list of people to bring in as a backup to Mo. Yeah, I mean, I think he's one we've been watching for a couple of seasons already now, so wouldn't think it out of the question, especially if there is either a PSG or a Saudi move for Mo. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um Okay, now we're on to number seven. I've gone Destiny Adoiji of now of Spurs, played for Udinese, um, Italian international, 
or Italian on the 21 international. Um, I think he's got enormous potential. I, I think, and I think he's already very, very good. I think he's better defensively than he's given credit for. Still makes young defender mistakes, but all young defenders make mistakes. But I think his fundamentals are good. And I think on the ball, he's really, really good. Yeah, a player you've spoken about before. You've watched him more than I have, to be fair. He was on my longer list, but not one in my top 10 in the end. Um, as I said, I expected quite a lot of overlap here because most of these younger players have not all completely established themselves and not all of them at top clubs either. So I think that that does make it a lot easier to have the overlap. Um, so mine is Yunus Musa, actually, in this position. Oh, interesting. Oh, he, he was one of my last cuts. Um I, I do like Yunus Musa. I think he's, I think he's still, I, he's still young enough, talented enough, but raw enough that you could bring him into your club and make him kind of anything you want, mm. and, and that would be very appealing. And for any English clubs that want him, he's also going to count as homegrown in twelve months, so that would be another benefit. Um, who is your number eight? Uh, my number eight is Ahmad Diallo. So again, this is utterly explosive player. And before signing for United, I thought he might be one who you know went very, very high, very, very early. Obviously, difficult to get the game time and stuff. But I think last season was quite an important formative year for him out on loan. Uh, I do expect that he will do very good things. So he's in. But again, you could probably replace him with any one of six, seven, and not really notice the difference. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, next on my list then, I went back and forth on this one because I, I had to get another defender in somewhere, like another central defender in. And I went back and forth and ultimately I pushed Ilya Zerbani to 12 and I picked Castillo Lakeba of Leon, the left side centre-back, who I think from a stylistic point of view is actually perfect for what we're looking for. I think he is the blueprint of what we're looking for, that kind of what Samuel Mtiti was pre-injury. I think this kid is, and I think he's got a higher ceiling than Mtiti did. So I've got him. Who have you said, sorry? Cut out. Castillo Lakeba from Leon. Okay, okay. okay. All right. Um, my next one is Cole Palmer, Man City. Um, oh. Again, some spoke about quite recently, maybe the last podcast we did or something like that. Um, as a potential breakout for next season. I, I, I think he's a, such a sensational player, technical perspective. He benefits probably quite a lot at the minute from obviously the dominance of the team. I'd like to see a bit more off the ball from him at times in terms of defensive stuff, but I assume it's all there. Otherwise, he wouldn't be near this team. Agreed. Agreed. You're not getting in Pep's team if you're lazy. It's as simple as that. It's one of the reasons he leaves Riyad Mahrez out late in seasons is because he doesn't do the defensive work. But Cole Palmer... We'll get, get, we'll get game time late in seasons because he does put in the work. Right, so I've got my number nine left and you've got the other player in your 10-11 left. So my number nine... Oh, no, William, sorry. We've both got our 10-11s because I've got Williams as nine. Mm. So my last player on my short list of what is 11 is Camaldine Sulemana, <laughs> who I just love. I, I could watch the kid play endlessly. He's unbelievably gifted. Another one of these super explosive wide forwards. And this this 2002 year, there are a raft of explosive wide forward types of players. Uh, we've mentioned Ansu Fati. 
We've mentioned uh, Nicholas Jackson. Both of them are, you know, perfectly in line with that. Jeremy Pino, Kareem Adeyemi, um, Jeremy Doku. Like, there's just a lot. Um, Arnold Calamundi, Calamundo. There's a lot of explosive young forwards in this group. I also just missed Angle Otara, who's another one. But yeah, this is sort of the, that's what this year really stands out to me is really explosive wide forwards. There's just loads of them. Yep, fully agree. And um, to the extent that my number 10 is Camaldine Suleiman, to be perfectly honest, I'm surprised we had quite as much overlap there at the end because there were loads to pick from. But yeah, I, I, Suleiman is superb. I would not be surprised to see him assuming he stays not just be like championship player of the season but be ready to either move to a Premier League team the following summer or whatever he wants to do basically I think he's an astonishingly good player yeah a um, couple of other ones just to mention uh, Charlie Alcaraz who obviously plays with Suleimana uh, at Southampton uh, Jeremy Pino and Carrie Maddiemi you both mentioned there Chelsea have another one who's exactly the same mould mm. Nani Madueke um, Tino Livermento yeah Tino Livermento as well yeah uh, from a Liverpool rumours perspective, Ryan Gravenberch is in this one, and so is Gabri Vega uh, from Celta Vigo. And two others I wanted to pick out, Bart Verbruggen, the goalkeeper from Belgium, and Nico Gonzalez, centre mid in Spain. I'm actually annoyed at myself that I didn't put Bart Verbruggen in. I haven't put him in because I've not seen enough of him to absolutely judge, but he's very, very well spoken about. And every time I've seen him, he's, he's assured that's the best thing for, for a young goalkeeper, I think. Another young City player that's in this age group is Ta- Taylor Harwood-Bellis, who was yes, outstanding, outstanding last year for Burnley. So I, yeah, I hope he gets a loan or a move this summer because I think he's got a big, big future. Right, moving on to 2003. Mm. Um I'm going to say the same thing here. Top three, I bet we've got the same. I I bet we do. I think this, in terms of truly elite level talent, I think this one's slightly deeper, slightly deeper than the previous season. Because I think there's a couple of absolute worldly young centre-backs in this group. Um, But yeah, the top three are going to be the same. It's just about in order. So... I've got Florian Verts as my number one. <laughs> I knew you would. You love I, him. I do. I adore him. I, 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 I would, I would have him over pretty much anybody. He is. He is just. He's so mature and intelligent. He makes the game look so simple. His ability to dribble past people in close areas is outrageous. His passing is outrageous. He's yet to make a wrong decision in any portion of his life. I've got him as my number one. But there are legitimately three number one picks here. If this was an actual draft and you had any of the top three picks, you are going on a week-long celebration bender before you pick the player and after you pick the player because there's three that are outrageous. So who's your number one? Jude Bellingham. Non-surprising. He is absolutely worthy of a number one pick in this. Uh, He is my number three, but it is is minuscule amounts between the three of them. Who's your number three? My number three is your number one, Florian Wurtz. Which means we both have the same number two. 
We do. They've both gone Jamal Musiala as the number two. We have. And it is legitimately a coin toss between all three of them. It's a terrible shame for the Bundesliga that Bellingham is gone because if they could have had these three at different clubs for the next four or five years leading a youth movement in the league, it, it would have been an incredible thing. But, you know, it, what outrageous talents. And for the Germans to have Wurz and Musiala, you know, that's something they can at least be excited about and build around because obviously there's quite a lot of, you know, negativity around the German national team right now. But these two alone are reason to be hopeful. And obviously England are kind of on an up at the moment over, you know, after the last couple of tournaments. Um, and Jude is is absolutely one of the reasons England will continue to be very good. Having him and Saka for the next 10 years, I mean, that's, again, that's reason enough to be very, very hopeful if you're, if you're a fan of England. So it gets interesting after this. Mm. Who's your number four? It is Alejandro Balde. Now, I'm going a little bit on what I think is coming next for him but I do think he's a very, very special defender, attacking defender, obviously. Mm. Um, again, a little bit in terms of Nuno Mendes in that I think he's going to be a little bit exploited for what he has in terms of physicality, which I hope does not come at the expense of his continued development from a tactical perspective. But it took someone pretty good to basically elbow Jordi Alba out the team, even though Jordi Alba was done about two years ago. If you think of... Uh, Real Madrid, for example, Dani Carvajal is still playing these clubs, these positions in particular, where you can just plug and play people who know the role. It's very difficult to get them out, especially when you're so focused on, because the pressure is on to win every single league game, focusing on the patterns of play and the quality on the final end of the pitch, rather than at the, the defensive side of things some of the time, where you can just leave the team as it is. Balde has so much technical ability really, really quick, reads the game well, compared to, well, I think it would be two years ago now where he started coming through and he was about as as thick-armed and bodied as like your average pencil. He's developed pretty well, obviously, yeah. in terms of becoming more of a man as well. Um, as long as that continues, I see such a big upward trajectory for him. It's a really exciting time with left-backs because when you consider like Alfonso Davies, I think is a 2000 birth, isn't he? So you've got him, 23. You've got Nuno Mendes and Adoiji as uh, 2002 births. And then you've got Silva. Or sorry, you've got Balde. Like that's four potentially world-class left-backs in the making. All very, very exciting players who are great going forward, but I think will also, because of their speed, be above average defenders. Because if you think of Ashley Cole, say, for example, when he was young, he was great going forward because of his his ability on the ball, but he was quite suspect defensively. But he learned how to use his speed and how to harness his speed so well that he became the ultimate lockdown left-back. Nobody was getting past him. And I think all four of these have the potential to do, maybe not to that level, because Ashley Cole is one of the best left-backs we've ever seen, but to be, you know, similar players and maybe better going forward because they're being developed more on the ball than Cole would have been. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) 
This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, absolutely fair. I think it's it's much more of a overall role now than it was at the time when even then, you know, just being advanced and attack minded and having the pace to overlap and all the rest of it was quite a big thing. Now it's a much more involved role, especially with you know some of the teams which is probably going to see the trend continue in terms of either they come in field or they have to be responsible for midfield play, that sort of thing. So yeah, I do think Baldi is very, very capable of doing the whole lot. Um, he's my number six. Okay. on this list and just you know for Barcelona to have him and Ronald Arreo come through their academy in the last couple of years and obviously they bought Jules Kunde as well I mean that's three quarters of a defence that they could have in place for a decade and plus we've already mentioned Pedri plus we've already mentioned Fatih yeah that's the thing and then if we were doing 2004 births you'd have Gavi So, I mean, very, very exciting future for Barcelona on the pitch. Unfortunately, they may be screwing up their entire club off the pitch with these economic levers and such. But, you know, they won the title last season based on how good their defence was. And three of those defenders are 23 and under. And and Andreas Christensen's not old. He's very good as well. They've got other players there coming through that they're quite excited about. So, Barca might be a, a... a bit of a defensive powerhouse for the, the long term. Uh, my number four is Antonio Silva, the young centre-back from Benfica, who, if I was going to describe him, I'd basically say he's Ruben Diaz, but with more pace. <laughs> and I think I think he's got better decision-making as well than Diaz did, well, than Diaz has. I think Diaz still makes the odd mistake here and there. I think Silva, Silva makes young player mistakes, but judgment, I think he's outstanding. On the ball, he's good. He's dominant in the air. He's aggressive. But he's also very clever at knowing when to take that backward step because his centre-back partner, who's Otamendi... I mean, this is a, this kid looks like, looks like dynamite playing next to Otamendi, who, by all accounts, is a nightmare to play alongside because he's so unpredictable. And yet this kid seems to figure it out quite quickly, what I need to do with this guy next to me. So I've got him. I, I think he's outrageous. Um, who's your number five? Um, my number five is Xavi Simmons. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I've got silver on my list. He's lower down. I knew he'd be lower down for me than he is for you. And again, I have to point out that this is because of Benfica. It's a lower 
sample size of me watching them. So I'm just not putting those players quite as high as I could, uh, which is pretty much across the board, been a couple of places lower than you've put the Benfica players. So I think that's probably accurate in that in that regard. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Shelby Simmons for me, um, for top five, I just, again, he's a, a similar type of profile player to ones we've discussed already, but just lots and lots of technical talent. I love the way he manipulates the ball, really, really good use of space. And I think the end product is becoming very, very quickly a lot better. I mean, he had an outrageous season this past year. Um, he is my number eight on my list, so we do have the same player of players on the list thus far. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> superbly talented. My my real hope, one of my biggest hopes for this window, is that he doesn't go back to PSG. Yeah. I think that would be the worst possible thing he could do. Like this, we've just we've just finished talking with Barcelona. He was there. He should be part of this Barcelona group. Yeah. But he chose to leave and go to PSG at what 15? Um I wonder I wonder will he find his way back to Barca at some point. I hope that he does. Arsenal have been linked this week with him, I think. So I think that's a horrible move for him as well. Yeah. He's not getting in that team. Not to start. I think he needs to be playing week in, week out. So for me, he should just stay at PSV another year continue to develop, make it abundantly clear that you're too good for that league and then pick your next club yourself when there's a, a plethora of offers. Um, right, next on my list then, this is my number five, is Giorgio Scalvini, young Italian centre-back at Atalanta. Um, if I was looking for an Ibu backup who could become my Virgil successor... I don't know that I'd look much further than this cut this kid, six five, six four, good in the air, great on the ball. He is rapid. He doesn't look it, which is the funniest thing. He looks kind of awkward at times, but he is rapid. I think he's the next great Italian centre back, personally. Um so he's my number five. Who is your number six then? So my number six is probably top of my list for next season to watch a lot more of at this point. I've started watching him sort of beginning of last season on and off. Um, I haven't read a bit about him and I haven't seen the odd game previously. Every time I watched him last season, dynamite. And this season I plan to watch a lot more of him and see exactly what and where he is. That's Ellie Wahi, who plays up front for Montpellier mm. in France. Um I mentioned earlier on, I can't even remember who I picked. No, Nicholas Jackson. I was talking about the first touch to get away from the defender and the way he uses space and the finishing ability. And I said that there was one player I think did everything better than him. And this is him. Eliwahi is fucking sensational in the final third. His first touch to escape defenders marking him tightly is lunatic. He is so, so good with that first touch to manipulate the ball exactly where he wants, to take a shot or to take a touch or to get away. He has the acceleration in his game, which I think is better than Jackson's. Uh, he's, his finishing is obviously like off the scale. Like he's really, really good as a finisher. He's happy to shoot both feet. He's got very good short distance acceleration as well. He's happy to dribble at players one-on-one. He can go inside or outside both feet he's comfortable on. Only question marks about him at the minute was earlier in his career, there were off-field off incidents, yeah. let's say. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's now 20 years old, right? So we're, we're talking like 
at least a couple of years ago, he was he was still a child. So these things, obviously, as as you progress as a professional and as a human, you would hope disappear because they were not good. Let's say, um, but as a as a player, as a centre forward, I don't see a better twenty twenty one even out of that 22 groups, 22 year of age uh, groups, who's a better potential number nine going forward. I think he is f- just, just ridiculously good. He was outrageous from Montpellier this past season. He just missed the cut for me. And it probably was the off field stuff. I probably put too much emphasis on that to be totally honest, mm. because the talent is, I mean, the talent would put him in that, upper echelon with, with Jude, Musial and Verts, frankly. Yeah. That's how talented he is. Um, it's taken him, because he, he's he's had like, because he got thrown out of an academy. It's taken him a little bit of time to find his footing again, but he was, he was incredible this past season. He's um, basically late in his 18 years of age where he started to sort of coming through into the first team. Obviously that exactly. first season was sub appearances and the rest of it. So it was only then from 19, he started to play, but even though it's from 19, he started to play properly and he's now 20. There's only one player who scored 20 and 25 goals in Liga and quicker than him. Killing Mbappe. Yeah. In the history of Liga, This is what we're dealing with at the minute. So well, I remember when he was at Cannes, when he was at Cannes, every top club, every top club, was being linked with him and they were trying to get him and then all of a sudden he got booted out of the academy ends up at like Montfermal or somebody that nobody really heard of and then Montpellier took a gamble on him and it was seen as a gamble the off-field stuff is is worrying but it is multiple years ago like the can stuff is five years ago now so he was 15 when that happened, the incident in the in the nightclub was two years ago. Again, he was eighteen, so you would hope, like you said, as he ages, gets a bit more mature. Look, we all did stupid things when we were eighteen. None of us might have done what he did when he was fifteen, but <laughs> I'd hope not. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Or 18, to be perfectly yeah, No, no, exactly. The, the thing he did at 18, like, the thing he did was awful. But all of us did stupid things at 18 uh, and at 15. We all did stupid things as kids. So, yeah, I mean, talent-wise, absolutely, I, I'm on board with, with him. Like I said, he he just missed, missed my list. Um, but there's no doubting the talent. Um, so we are on number that seven. Yeah. That was your sixth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've got Baldi as my six. So who's your number seven? My seven is Antonio Silva, so we've done him as well. Oh, yeah, okay. My seven is Levi Colwell. Okay. Who I, I, I'm just in love with. I think, he's, I think he's outrageous. On the ball, he is so, so good. Defensively, he's fantastic. He would be second behind Scalvini in my long-term successor to Virgil list. And he would be... Right, he would be number one. If I if I could just pick somebody to come in and replace Robertson in that left-side centre-back who can also play left-back role, it would be him. But the price would be... I, don't, I just don't think Chelsea are going to sell him at this point. But fingers crossed, they'll sell him to Brighton and maybe we can buy him in a year. Um, moving on then, who's your number eight? Benjamin Sesko. Uh, one of the... 
Well, the latest centre forward, basically out of a, a very, 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 very long uh, production line mm. coming out of the um, RB conglomerate, shall we say? Yeah, superbly talented. Um, again, like like Elua, he just missed my list, but no, no qualms about having him on the list. He is he is going to be the business. I think he is so so difficult to play against, and such a unique skill set as well. Like. What is he, 6'5"? Is he 6'5"? He's 6'5". He's like... He, he, Peter Crouch is kind of build, but yeah. he's got power to his game as well. Yeah, he's a bit more broad-shouldered than Crouch. I think Crouch was a bit more lean and sort of lanky-looking, wasn't he? Yeah, this guy's a bit bit bigger. He's a bit... His top half is a bit like Brogier, for example. He's a bit more broad-shouldered and stocky. A bit Zlatanish. That's actually a better shout. Build-wise, Zlatan is the best shout. And like both of them, very good in the air, but really good with his feet. Yeah, yeah. Really good with his feet. The, yeah. the term, oh, he's got a good touch for a big man. Like, these lads put that to shame. These lads have outrageous touches for big men. So, yeah, no issue there. I've got uh, Ray and Turkey of Leon, who... I mean, he's kind of, he's been bubbling away for a couple of years at Lyon. He made his debut, broke into the team quite early. And he sort of struggled to really make the impact that was expected of him. And last, the 21-22 season was a mess for him. But this past year, I thought he was brilliant. I really did think he was brilliant for Lyon. I'd like to see more goals. But I think as a creator, as a link play, I think he's so inventive. He's a great, great talent. So I've got him next. Uh, I have him next as well. Um, Ryan Cherky, number nine. He, I think, remains the best player I've ever seen at 16 years of age. Mm. He was just stupid good, like stupid good. And at the time when I was watching him was sort of a combination of uh, sort of sub appearances, second string games and the UEFA under 19. Um, this would have been the uh, 1920 season, wasn't it? Yes, the version yeah, of the Champions yeah. League, obviously. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter if he was playing his age group or those who were three years older than him, four years older even, because obviously they had some 20-year-olds still in that under-19s. Or when he came on a sub for the first team, uh, he just took the piss. I've never seen anything like it. He was so, so good, which probably contributed to the next two years of not really playing too much thereafter because he had a couple of head coaches in the first team who were not, shall we say, renowned for expressive football, let alone expressive individuals within the team structure. And I think he found it very, very difficult, which is kind of normal and kind of really, really irritating when it happens so, so often to kids um, because they, they must knuckle down and they must do the defensive side and they must learn about the team aspect. And some obviously take longer to do that than others. Like you say, this year he's he's come on so much and he's playing right the way across the sort of attack midfield line, really, but mostly yeah. either left or, or as a 10. Uh, and especially in this sort of second half of the season, he was much more of a go-to player. Um, so I, I am hopeful that, you know, he's still only 19 years of age now. Yeah. We're talking about a player who looked for like a year or so, like he could be kind of like Michael Owen when he came through at Liverpool, basically as a teenager, that kind of impact straight away. Um, contract wise, I think he's got like another one, maybe two years left. Well, maybe it's one with an extension. I'm not sure. 
but yeah, he, he has all the talents and somebody needs to harness it in exceptional ways because it is there. I'd like him to leave Leon this summer because I look at players that have been at Leon in recent years and come through as really exciting young players. And a lot of them have sort of stagnated because it hasn't been the best environment. Yeah. And like, we're just, we've just seen Hasamauer who, what, three years ago, yeah. all the top clubs were looking at. And now he's just signed for Roma on a free. And it's a good move. Like Roma are a big club, but all the shine has gone off him. And I would, I would hate to see the same thing happen to, um, I'd hate to see the same thing happen to Turkey. So I'd like to see him get a move this summer. Um, I've got Xavi Simmons next yeah. in my number eight spot. So is that, Shirky's your number eight, isn't he? No, he's my nine. Benjamin Sesco was eight. Sesco's eight. Okay, so uh, your nine is is Shirky. <clears throat> Mine is Moritz Kjergaard, who I think is going to be the next big money move away from Red Bull Salzburg. Danish midfielder, big, powerful unit, can do a little bit of everything. Creative, scores goals, shoots well from distance, carries the ball very, very well. I, I really like this kid. I think he's going to be something something truly special. So I've got him in my number nine. Um, so who's your number 10 then? Well, you can bring it home because my number 10, you've already discussed, that's Levi Colwell. Oh, you've got Levi Colwell at 10. Do you have a 10-11 on this list? No, I don't. I actually felt overall there were fewer options to go into this age group overall, um, which is obviously partly going to be because those are youngest players and not all of them have come through to the full extent of their capacity so far. So, yeah, I've got Colwell as my 10 and I was happy with that. I've got about another three, four, five who I have on the shortlist, but nowhere near as many as the other years. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. So I've gone back and forth on this last spot. And I basically had one spot that I wanted to put one of the young centre forwards on. So Wahi missed out, Sesko missed out. And in the end, I went for Rasmus Hoysland, the young Dane at, at Atalanta, who it's a very small sample size, but that combination of pace, power and skill is quite rare. And I think he is going to be phenomenal. I just really hope he doesn't move to United this summer because he's not ready for that move. Like another season or two at Atalanta is what he really needs. And I'm hopeful that, you know, common sense prevails there and he ends up staying. Um, So he's my number 10. Yeah, I think there are holes in his game in terms of some of the link-up play and the movement mm-hmm. off the ball. But you know, we're talking about very young players here, twenty years of age. He's he's not got too many senior uh, game time under his belt yet, obviously. So he is on my he's one of the five on my shortlist. But I, I was comfortable leaving him off. Let me see how many of that oh, that five I can guess then. So Wilfred Nonto, yes, he's next. Malo Gusto, he is number four. Harvey Elliott? Number five. So I miss a number two? Uh, three. Wilf was three. number two. Three. Alex Scott? No, because I've not really seen him play. I know you've mentioned him a few times, but mm. he's... Um, Fabio Moretti? 
Of UV? No. Playing in the Premier League. Currently Chuck Wemmicke? Yes. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think he's very, very talented. Another one I, I'd keep an eye on is, is um, <clears throat> Arzen Zakarian, the young Russian midfielder, plays for Dinamo Moscow. Chelsea tried desperately to sign him last summer, but obviously the, the rules about giving money to Russians uh, scuppered that. Be curious to see what happens with him this summer, but very, very talented. Um, there's a couple of others. Uh, Milos Kirkus, the young left-back, at at Alkmaar, I, I really like him. Uh, Arna Martinez, the right-back, who's with Girona in the city football group sphere, really talented. Cesare Caicedo, who's on loan. Oh, he's at Chelsea. He's due to go on loan next season. I think he spent some time with Reading this past year. John Duran, or Jan Duran. Zeno DeBast. Callum Doyle of Man City, I'm a big fan of. And... Another who would be high on my list of left-sided centre-backs is Robert Renan, the young Brazilian, 19 years of age at Zenit St. Petersburg. He is, I, I think he's going to be incredible, but needs a, probably another year in Europe before we make a move from. And just one that I, I've always, I've been keeping an eye on is Kasper Kozlowski, owned by Brighton, spent last year on loan at Vietas Arnhem. He's got a little bit of these the buzz like KDB type magic as well. So yeah, there's there's some some really good players in this age group. Charlie Patino's another one, the young Arsenal midfielder. Hmm. But overall, O one definitely had the most depth. I do think though that you could make an argument that O three, the top three, is probably the best top three. Versus Musiala, Bellingham, Kavicha, Enzo, Saka, Pedri, Camavinga, Guardiola. I think all three might be the the highest ceiling for those three groups. Possibly, although maybe look at O2 in terms of longevity of doing the exact same thing over and over again. That looks like a Champions League winning trio to me, to be honest, Mm. multiple times over. Musiala, I was very close to putting first. I think he's such a good player, but... They're probably, yeah, they're they're, they're certainly the most three explosive uh, trio. Just um, a couple of others to mention off this most recent one. Um, I completely missed Jean Duran, to be honest. I think he probably would have made my top 10. So good spot there for for the Villa forward. Uh, Gaiki is in this group. I've never seen him play, but he has a ludicrous reputation. He's part of the Man City group, obviously. Uh, and one other one that I just noticed going through the list, Yasser Aspria, who is notable only because he's called Aspria and is mm. Colombian. Other than that, don't really know much about him, but he plays for Oh, Watford, he's apparently. really good. You you would like him. <laughs> you would like him. He is really, really good. Um, probably Watford's best player last season in a team that had Ishmael Asar and uh, Joe Pedro probably the most consistent performer, really, really high ceiling on that kid. Uh, Usman Diamande of Sporting is another one I'd throw in, another really good young centre-back. And I do like Divine Wrench of Ajax, the young right-back. Um, and Samuel Adozi, young left-winger at Southampton, was another one that was in City's Academy. City's Academy is just a ridiculous, ridiculous place full of talent. Um not sure there's anyone else there. 
Alex, I would, like I said, is, is one that I, I definitely would be interested in. Yeah, but over the next two years, we will see more in this group naturally as you know people who are just starting to get their break in the first team now do come through at 20 years of age. That's completely normal. There'll be a couple on like the 2001 list, for example, who two years ago were mm. not at the level that they are now. Like Jacob Ramsey, for example, he was still a bit part player at the time. Caicedo was barely even a, a thing at Brighton two years ago. So yeah. two years from now, that, that that top 10 list will be a lot more competitive just by natural progression of, of humans, really. Agreed, agreed. And, you know, you can look at the 04 list and there's a very clear number one in Gavi. And after that, there's a lot of a lot of potential. You've got Lavia, Ferguson, Makoko, Garnacho, Julio Enciso, Rico Lewis, Ivan Fresneda, Andre Santos, who Chelsea own, um, Stefan Besetic, Buenanote of Brighton, El Canas of um, of Genk, one to definitely keep an eye on. And again, in 12 months, if we revisit this, this group will have developed a lot more and we'll know a lot more about them. Uh, but Gavi is the clear, for now, the clear standout in that group. Um, and again, like the same thing will happen to 05. That group will develop and there's, again, some really elite young players in there. Desiree Due, Arda Guler, Matthias Tell, Vito Roque, who I believe is potentially going to Barcelona to join that immense group of young players. So lots of reasons for people to be uh, excited about the future of the game despite what's going on with, uh, you know, all the the money and the nations buying into the game. There's a there's an incredible crop of young players flooding in season after season, like just for 06 births, right? So that that's kids who are 16 or 17. Warren Zaire Emery already playing a decent amount of minutes for PSG at 17. Endrick, who Real Madrid have already got to pay 60 million for, Julian Duranville, who's, I think, the next star of Dortmund, like those three headline that age group. And the Simone Pafundi is a player to keep an eye on. He's at Udinese. He's really talented as well. Um, it's just, it's outrageous. There is so many immense young players coming through year on year on year. Well worth keeping an eye on. Right. Is there anything else you want to hit before we go? Because we have gone quite long. We have. I've done a Harry Kane transfer piece if people want to read that. Otherwise, we'll be back with more. Cool. And I will have a piece on Anfield Index uh, tomorrow. It'll be, it's a two-parter where Downey's writing one piece and I'm writing the other. Um, He's writing a piece that's happy and I'm writing a piece that's filled with rage, but they are connected. So yeah, there you go. Right. uh, That'll do. Thank you as always for listening, folks. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. 
Social Podcast Network.